coaching Jason is about taking players where they can't take themselves in any sport. Saban, Kirby, as my friend Eric Spolster likes to say, competing is the essence of life. Uh, Isaiah and Michael were the fiercest of rivals. Welcome in, everybody, to the Run the Race podcast. Uh, Jason Dennis here. Uh, looking forward to uh, talking to our guest today. In fact, uh, he and I are both uh, love the game of basketball, the NBA Finals starting this week. In fact, this episode may come out the, uh, just hours before the uh, first game between uh, the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. But we, uh, me and my guests both live actually in uh, football country now. I'm here in Columbus, Georgia near Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, and he's down in Baton Rouge, uh, the home of LSU. And so, um, uh, and looking forward to talking to him. In fact, uh, you know, uh, growing up in North Carolina, uh, I was a big Tar Heel fan, you know, huge. And I still am to this day and uh, loved um, Michael Jordan. And, uh, you know, I, I think about that as the glory days of the NBA. And that's what we're going to talk to Coach uh, Brendan Sir about today. And and he was part of those glory days, in, in my opinion, at least. And I remember one story real quick that um, about Michael Jordan and that killer mentality and that concentration that he and maybe a, so many other athletes have. Uh, I was about 10 years old at a camp and we were gathered around a free throw line and Michael Jordan comes in. This is a, a Buzz Peterson uh, a basketball camp. And he um, he talks about kind of concentrating on things and he put a blindfold on. And he swished 10 free throws in a row. It was just it was just amazing to see him do that. And, and that was like nothing for him. So, uh, but uh, our guest for today is uh, Coach Brendan Sir, who, who knows Michael Jordan in terms of, you know, he coached him on the dream team and, and uh, he actually has more than 45 years of experience in both professional and college basketball coaching. Now he is uh, coaching the world, uh, no longer coaching a team. Uh, we'll ask him maybe if he misses that, but he has founded Coaching You, which is a, a company that do coaching, leadership, learning. Uh, technology and live event businesses, and they uh, focus on really kind of development of individuals and teams. And he's consultant as well, working at uh, times with the NBA. And, um, and through his uh, career, uh, most recently, he was an associate head coach at LSU until 2017, where he uh, developed Ben Simmons, who was the number one overall pick back in 2016 in the NBA draft. He's been an assistant coach for a few seasons before that at UCF, and then also most more recently, a few years ago, uh, coached briefly at uh, Stetson University in Florida. Um, but uh, you know, bef way before that, he uh, got a chance to uh, to coach in uh, the NBA ranks. In fact, won a, won a gold medal at the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona, serving as an assistant and a scout under Chuck Daly for uh, the Dream Team. And uh, then he got a chance from his former high school coach, Hubie Brown, what, what great to be coached by him, uh, got, a, got an opportunity to join the Atlanta Hawks staff where he remained for nine seasons working with Brown and other le legendary coaches like Mike Fratello. And then he joined Daly staff in Detroit, instrumental in guiding the Pistons to two NBA championships, 1989 and 1990. Then he also coached at times with the New Jersey Nets, the Toronto Raptors and the Orlando Magic. 
Coach Sir, uh, thank you so much uh, for being here. But thank you for those <laughs> very, very kind words. Well, you've, you've done a lot in your life, and uh, I want to start. I've lived a long damn time. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, we talk on this podcast uh, in part about fitness. So I want to talk about that a little bit, about some of the best athletes in the world staying in shape and, and about that winning mentality. And, and also, we're going to talk about the NBA finals that are starting now and, and you coaching and leading not only guys on the court, but coaching people in life. But I want to start with, you know, I was talking about Michael Jordan and uh, the glory days of the NBA. You were part of the the bad boys, as they call them, Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars, Isaiah Thomas and uh, um, Dennis Rodman, when they went up against uh, Michael Jordan, the Chicago Bulls, which they've been featured, you know, a few years ago in the last dance. A lot of folks have kind of rekindled that um, affection for them. Tell me about um, any, you know, big memories that come to mind in those uh, those battles when you were part of the uh, Detroit Pistons. They, they were great. And uh, to the point where Michael and I, uh, usually when you have such fierce rivalries, you know, a lot of things come out of those. And sometimes it's appreciation for competitiveness, as my friend Eric Spolster likes to say, competing is the essence of life. Uh, Isaiah and... Michael were the fiercest of rivals with no love between them because it resulted in one of them winning a championship, you know, all the time, which was great. Uh, where Dumars, who's now second in command, basically at the NBA, Joe, uh, you know, he was the one that had to guard Michael and the love and respect they have for each other is amazing. Great competition and uh, brings out the best in them. Uh, to the point where, you know, obviously I coached Michael in a couple of all-star games and then uh, with the dream team. But when his two sons had to pick a time to go to college, uh, the thing I, one of my fondest things with Michael is that he allowed me to coach both of them at UCF. And uh, that was, that was very much respectful. His father, James, who we too, too early lost, uh, was very, very close to Chuck Daly and myself. When we used to play the Bulls in the playoffs, James Jordan would come and sit in the coach's, we called it office or locker room, with Chuck and I before the game. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? <laughs> I, can, I, uh, Pat, my dear friend, Pat Riley, who treats it like, uh, you know, a military, he would never, he didn't, you know, he, he, he would never allow something like that. Chuck and I would just sit back there and just talk to this guy who's about ready to drop 50 on us, you know. But uh, but I think it, it was it was such uh, the relationships I think uh, about what the, the Jordan family and Michael in particular uh, I treasure the most. And I know that you know you worked um, obviously you know offense defense behind the scenes strategies as as a coach and and with the Pistons you know I remember back you know uh, watching them and and uh, you know the things that that. Bulls, the Bulls and Jordan had to overcome. They had to kind of get yeah. through that gauntlet when they finally yeah. kind of got over that hump. So what what did you do? Like, was there something that, you know, you and the team kind of, you know, how were you able to win and, and overcome that that talent? Well, before I joined them, uh, they had always seemed to go up against the Bulls in the playoffs in Michael's early years as a pro. And uh, Isaiah and the team pounded them every year. And uh, so they had no success. I, I think at one point it was something like 30-something to five. 
as far as wins versus the Bulls. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And it was uh, then, uh, you know, when I joined them in 89, uh, we had kind of reminded me Denver, you know, Michael Malone, his daddy was the other assistant with me in Detroit, Brendan Malone. And uh, we only had two assistants back then. Now they have half of Columbus, Georgia sitting in the back row of a bench. You know, I mean, we have 10, 12 assistants. But back then we only had two, three people on the coaching staff. And so we did everything. So, you know, offense, defense, people always say to me, hey, were you an offensive or defense coach? Like I'm on Kirby's, you know, smart staff, you know, my coordinator, you know. But no, uh, we did both. And uh, working for Chuck Daly was incredible because he allowed you so much freedom. And so, you know, we you know, we, we really did some unique things against Michael. One, uh, what we tried to do, he was one of the best defensive players ever to play in this league. He was absolutely incredible. And But we made him work guarding Dumars and Vinnie Johnson. So we constantly made him involved. We constantly ran him off screens. And it's not like nowadays where they breathe on someone. They think they screened them. We hit you when we screened you. And we really, we really hit Mike. And, uh, and so that, that was tough. And then when he got to the other end of the court, we really went after him and we were probably, we put in what was termed the Jordan rules, uh, you know, in, in my second, uh, actually in my first year there, we put in the Jordan rules, because we had, like Denver has now, we had nine days off in between, um, you know, our second round opponent. I think we swept the Celtics with Bird. And now we had nine days off. They finished a tough series with the Knicks of six or six games. Now they came to us like two days later. And they beat us in a very close game. Then the second game, and we won. And then we went back to Chicago. I never forget it because the anniversary was Saturday uh, for Memorial Day weekend. Back then, CBS was the people that were doing the NBA contract as opposed to ABC and ESPN now. And we went back to Chicago. We were up 19 points at the half. And then Michael went for 47 points. Um, wow. It was just incredible. And they beat us by two points <laughs> uh, with all that. So about two in the morning, Isaiah Thomas literally called me. We didn't have cell phones back then. He didn't text me. He called me in my hotel room. I had my wife and uh, uh, two, ch- two very young children with me because we were they were still living in Atlanta from when I was coaching the Hawks and I was with the Pistons. And it was my son's uh, sixth birthday, I think. And so we were there for, for a big weekend. And two in the morning, he calls me up and says, come down to the lobby. I need to talk to you. And we literally, I'm down in the lobby with a t-shirt and pair of gym shorts that I'd probably get arrested for if I walked into a hotel like looking like that now. And Isaiah and I are sitting in the lobby just basically forming the Jordan rules. And Literally the next morning, I, I'm telling this is before game three. Uh, I'm telling Chuck Daly, this is uh, this is game four. I'm sorry, telling Chuck, this is what we need to do. And Isaiah and I th- worked on this in the middle of the night, and he wasn't very appreciative of that. Uh, and so he just didn't think it would work. We had the two best defensive players in the league, 
and Rodman and uh, and Joe Dumars, and they were highly insulted that we would absolutely double team Michael Jordan. They could handle him. And Chuck said, no, we're not doing it. Those guys said, we don't want to do it. And then the rest of the players said, let's, let's try it. And Chuck said, you can try it, but it's not going to work. You'll regret it. And what happened is I thought it was very negative at the time, but what it taught me is the only way things work in life is if you have buy-in. And the players were damn determined to show that Chuck was wrong. And so they went in and Michael never scored more than 17 points a game. And we, we beat him three straight times, hence the Jordan rules. And uh, it was a great example of leadership on Chuck's part. He knew exactly what he wanted to do, but he had to get buy-in. He, you know, sided with his two stars and Dumars and Rodman. But man, all, all the team committed to making it work. And that's, that, that's what, that's what, that's what coaching is. Coaching, Jason, is about taking players where they can't take themselves in any sport. Saban, Kirby, uh, you know, Eric Spolstra, you know, you, you take these group of men or women, whatever you're working in, what sport, and you take them where every one of us needs a coach in life or in sport. And I think that is, that's kind of my overall mission in life now is to help teach people in business or in coaching, how to take it. And frankly, you and I as parents, that's what parenting is about. It's about taking your children where they can't take themselves. And parenting, to me, is one of the most important things in life right now. That's why we have so many problems in the world. It comes down and starts with parenting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And, and uh, I know... Sorry, uh, sorry I was... All no, too. that's... that's a, I mean, I think that's that's correct. I think, you know, sports whether you're coaching, being a player, whatever is, is symbolic for life. You know, you go through the ups and downs and the roller coaster and you're, you're not, you know, you're not going to win them all or lose them all. And, and I know that um, I think you've quoted um, Chuck Daly before saying the fact that he says, you know, when I have great players, I'm a good coach. And mm -hmm. so, you know, whether it be, you know, a Charles Barkley or a Michael Jordan or Isaiah Thomas back then or nowadays, you know, Nikola Jokic or guys like uh, Jimmy Butler, nicknamed sure. Playoff Jimmy. When you have those guys with that winning mentality, or you may even call it a killer mentality, especially in the playoffs. I mean, how do you how do you get to that point? I mean, is that something that you think that just these guys have or do you think that's something that's developed because they're a chip on the shoulder or something? How does that player get to that point? Sure. Oh, that's that's natural. That's that's his natural talent. But as a coach, leader, parent, they're all the same skill set. Uh, your your job is to create an environment where that can flourish. And and that's why you, the most overword uh, word at a press conference when a new coach is being hired is we're gonna establish a culture. <laughs> Right. We're going to have a great culture here. Well, you know, usually you get a job because there wasn't a good culture. And how are you going to flip it? You have to get the players on that team to believe in what you're saying. And culture, frankly, just like whether it's the culture at the station where you work at, is an outcome of people's behavior. You know, I don't care how much money you make or anything like that, what titles you have. But do we have everyone that's working together, pulling together? And it's all on, this is the, what I call the soft part of coaching. It's all about values. It's about being part of something bigger than yourself. Guess what? When you go on TV tonight, 
if you don't have a cameraman, if the audio doesn't work, and if something breaks down where somehow it can't go out over the satellite, whatever, guess what? You're not very good tonight <laughs> because no one sees it, right? <laughs> That's right. And, and, yeah. And so it's the same deal. I mean, you can have all the greatest plays in the world, but if they don't want to execute them or anything like that, or they can't, or they're unable to, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm a brilliant coach, if they don't do it. it does, I have some of my best friends who are incredible people have tragic things happening with their own kids, right? During this pandemic and everything. They're super people, but bad things happen sometimes. And it's not because they're not good parents. Things happen. So how do we get that to ha happen? I think it's. I think it starts with. These are what I call my. You know the the most important things in coaching and leadership is integrity. You mm -hmm. have to be. You have to be truthful with the people that you work with because they can see through it. Uh, you have to develop trust because once that trust is broken, it's over. Um, and then the kind of the X factor to me is the caring, the, the people that like, I, I watched TNT, all those guys are friends of mine, Ernie Johnson, when I was coaching the Hawks, he was when he was just starting out in Atlanta, we're unbelievable friends now for 43 years. Okay. And to watch how he's, you know, become the best studio host in the world. When I watched the other day when they were signing off Tim Kiley, uh, their incredible producer at TNT who's retiring, the love of Shaq and Barkley and Kenny Smith and Ernie to him, knowing that they are this Emmy award-winning show, it doesn't happen without Tim Kiley. He's yeah. their coach, you know, and I, and I, and they know that he has made them so much better. And they trust him and they respect him. And he's had to tell certain people on that superstar crew that that's not right what you're doing. You know, you need to change this now. And he's talking to guys that have made a ton of money and are stars. And you know what? But they love that because he's honest with them. So it, it's a fascinating thing to do. But I think it, it's all about the relationship aspect of coaching and parenting. Like, you can't be a good parent unless you have this relationship with your children. It's not about giving them an allowance or a car. It's about telling them, get your ass home at 10 o'clock or, you know, because nothing good happens after 12 when you're in high school. Ain't not a damn thing. And so, you know, <laughs> and, and so, you know, and then all of a sudden they're surprised when their kid gets a DUI driving or something, or, you know, they were free and they were hanging out. And one of the kids that was with them, got stopped for having weed in the car. I mean, and my child would never do that. Yeah, but, but, you know, so, I mean, it, I just think it's, you know, it's about human performance happens all about what I say is it starts with love. And I have all the best players that I've ever coached, whether it's Isaiah or Mike or BJ Armstrong or any of my friends that I coach. The, including my son, uh, every conversation I have on the phone ends with love you. They, they tell me, love you. That's the essence of men telling men how they feel about them. That's really powerful stuff.
Yeah. And, and like, I'm to your point, I mean, I think that's so well said and that people, you can't do it on your own. I mean, whether you're LeBron James or Mm -hmm. Phil Jackson or Steph Curry, you got to have not only the, the teammates and the coaches, but behind the scenes too. I mean, we talk on this podcast about fitness and the strength and conditioning and having those, you know, kind of knowing what to do to be physically fit, to be one of the best athletes in the world and stay in shape for the entire season. What, what was that like for you, you know, behind the scenes, seeing some of the best basketball players ever in, in terms of how they stayed in shape and how they were able to kind of maybe more better, better shape than others around them. Well, you know, it's so different now than it was then because we didn't have the science that we have now to understand all that stuff. Uh, I had players that were championship, world championship players that when the last game came in June, they wouldn't pick up a ball till late September. They would play golf all summer. They would do anything to get away with the game, which in a way I think is kind of healthy uh, because they played so much during the year their body needed to recover. And I, and I, I think one of the problems we have now is the players overtrain. My daughter was a world-class gymnast. Uh, and as a high school age child, uh, she kept getting hurt because they were training six and eight hours a day. She was four foot 10, 89 pounds, you know, and there's, and she's doing all these things. And, and all of a sudden, you know, they train 12 months a year and stuff. She never got a break. And her best gymnastics was in high school age level, even though she went to LSU on a gymnastics scholarship. The only school in the country that didn't offer her was University of Georgia at the time was a world-class oh. and And that's where her grandparents lived in Conyers. And that's where they wanted her to go. And it's the only damn school that didn't offer her. And it was so funny, you know, and uh, but that's the problem. And then sometimes when they get to high school age, their best are behind uh, college age. Their best are behind them. So overtraining is important. But fitness is uh, is incredible. Um, you know, now I think we're doing it. But I'm, uh, you see some of the players with a lot of injuries. And we never had back when I started, we never had injuries to the core. Now they overdeveloped the core, in my opinion to the point where I think they guys want to look good to go to the beach more than they do to play basketball. And so when I was at LSU, we had, uh, you know, <laughs> Keith Hornsby, whose daddy was the great piano guy, and, you know, Bruce Hornsby, and he had two uh, uh, core injuries and missed 17 games his senior year. We won 19 games. We would have won 26 games easily if he would have played because he was our second-leading scorer. Hmm. We didn't have him the last month and a half of the season. and so. But it was all through overtraining because he was just this, you know, normal white kid that was trying to get stronger and better, right, you know, and, and kind of went that way. So, but I do – I I when I, I, as a coach, used to, for my own mental health, I would go out and run an hour – every day at three o'clock on game day, every day though, uh, just to relax in the hotel on the road, just to get me ready for the game. Uh, and that, my son was born <laughs> 1983. I ran the Atlanta marathon that year. Uh, oh. and, and, and I remember trying to train with my wife being pregnant. And every time I'd say, I'm going out for a run. And she would be so pissed, you know, 
oh, you have time to run. And I got to, you know, I'm walking around here like that, you know, and, and then must be nice. Had, oh, they, oh, yeah. Then when she had the child, now I'm saying on the way home from the office, at, you know, at, at downtown or Atlanta, I'd say, I'm going to stop off at the Chattahoochee River, this great trail we had. And I said, I'm going to go for a six mile run before I come home. And she would get so upset, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, you make a good point that sometimes like, you know, um, you know, the fitness running or whatever else is great for your yeah. mental health. But also the, the less is more mentality that that like sometimes we're just go, go, go. But like we all need to rest. I mean, whether you're a world class athlete or just, you know, regular mom or dad, um, you need that that rest. So with the with the with the Pistons, you know, they were, uh, you know, kind of rough and tumble. They would, like you said, hit people pretty hard. Was that like something you think? was like a muscle thing or is that more of a mental kind of like, you know, we're going to, we're going to make you pay. There, there was just, a, it was something I, 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 you know, because we had the nicest coaches in the world that would never teach that. And so frankly, I, I mean, often I would go and speak at clinics and they would think that we taught that we didn't, I'll be honest with you. We had nothing to do with it. Well, it was all internal leadership of our players. We had six incredible leaders on the team and all different and that's what i always tell people you know for those of us that have more than one child i ask people all the time are both of your kids let's say the same and they say oh no no and my son and daughter are complete opposites but you know what so if i tried to raise them and impose the same rules standards etc on them i'd be a crappy parent you know and so my thing in coaching is you have to figure out how to coach every player differently. That's hard work for a guy like Kirby Smart or Saban. They got 88 players with walk-ons over a hundred. You got to coach every one of them differently to be successful. And boy, you have to be a master coach. And so, and a, and a master parent to do that. So I had Dennis Rodman. I had Joe Dumars. Joe is like the most incredible leader. Never said a word. Every day, he led by example. <laughs> mm. Always did the right thing. Hardest working guy. Daddy was a truck driver, 18-wheel truck driver, Natchitoches, Louisiana. This guy was all about work ethic. Dennis had no parents, you know, that were really important. Chuck Daly was and our were surrogate parents, really. Mm. And, and we embraced that. And Isaiah was just him and Lambert were just oozing with leadership ability. I mean, and the kind that are vocal and stuff like that. Very, very bright. But every one of them brought something to the table. But the best type of teams and businesses have great internal leadership. If the guy in charge is the only one that's talking about doing the right things, you're not going to have a very good team or company. Because we all, whether you're at your place, the people that are doing the teleprompter, the guy behind the camera, the person doing the audio, every one of them has a role and a job to play, and they have to lead in that role. And, and, and that's when you have a great team. Because if you think it's the guy that's the GM that's just signing the talent, guess what? If he signs crummy talent, poor broadcast, right? Same deal, same deal. So I'm a big believer in that, but I'm a big believer in internal leadership. 
Yeah. And I want to talk to you just a little bit um, about leadership and coaching you. But before we get to that, you mentioned before uh, Coach Spolstra and Pat Riley currently, obviously, with yeah. the Miami Heat. And you got Coach Mike Malone bringing the Denver Nuggets uh, to the NBA Finals. They've been waiting it out for more than a week now, and, and that's getting started. So what are, what are your thoughts? I mean, knowing some of the guys, some of the players, some of the coaches, and, and uh, you know, what, are you, what do you think about this? I mean, uh, it's, I guess you've got the, uh, you know, the favorites and the underdogs in this situation, but it's sure. going to be pretty interesting. Well, yeah, and, uh, and that's – and the finals, it's a separate entity. Uh, the best team when we won our first championship was the Lakers. They just rolled through. They were 12-0 and 0 in the different rounds leading up to the finals. And Pat um, had eight days, nine days off before he played the Pistons. And he went to Santa Barbara, had training camp, uh, had his guys ready, flew to Detroit. After a long flight, brought him into the Palace of Auburn Hills and had a practice at night. And Byron Scott pulled a hamstring in a rebounding drill, missed the whole series. Wow. Overwork, practicing at the wrong time, being overprepared sometimes, you know. They had already played 100 games. They didn't need to, you know, they had played us twice during the year. Uh, we had played, you know, up till Sunday when we eliminated them. This is Tuesday. We go and we beat them. Second game, Magic pulls his hamstring. 4-0 is over. So the best team in the playoffs lost because of injuries. So, you know, Denver is such a heavy favorite, plus they have home court advantage. But everyone says, oh, they'll get, Miami will get blown out in game one. But I think, if I'm not wrong, I think they've won every game one in their playoffs. I think they beat Milwaukee in game one. They blew them out. Uh, I think they uh, beat the Knicks in the Garden in game one. And they went up to Boston Garden to beat the Celtics in game one. And I didn't think they had a shot in any of those. I thought, you know, so I, you just don't know. They are riding momentum. Confidence is amazing. That's that's why I thought Boston would win. I thought Boston had confidence and momentum going. And then who knows what happened on Sunday. No idea what happened. Monday, I mean. No idea. So, you know, I probably if I was a gambler, I would be broke now. Okay. <laughs> you know, because I, <laughs> I, right. I, I think I know everything. I'm an expert, but shit, I don't know anything sometimes. Eric Spolster is one of the greatest coaches we've ever had in the league. He's a better person, as you can tell from his interviews. He's just incredible. I've known him since he's 13 years old. He was a ball boy in Portland when we used to play. His daddy was uh, an executive, one of the best marketing people ever in the NBA. His daddy then became the president of the New Jersey Nets when Chuck and I were coaching there. So we're very, very close. And uh, he's just a special guy. Mike Malone I've known since he's 18 when his daddy and I worked together with the Pistons. Michael's Never skipped a step in his coaching career. He's done everything the right way. And he has certainly done an amazing job. And, and uh, I'm happy for either one of them. Uh, and I have a feeling it's going to go Mike's way. I just think I think he's got the best player in Jokic. And I think he's got home court advantage, which 
You like to run? Try running in Denver. Ten miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the uh, the, yeah. the air up there is a, a lot different. The, it, it's the a elevator. different world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ke- kind of catching your breath, and I think that you know, like you were talking about the culture that's been created by Spolstra and Pat Riley there, and but Denver, you know, it's it seems like there's just such a workmanlike attitude. Like bring your lunch pail, and then but Jokic yeah. is this new style that you see in the NBA now. This six eleven, seven foot guy who can run the floor and pass great and shoot threes i mean that's that's kind of the the new nba now but no but no one else has one yeah i mean no one has one and 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 he's just i mean he's so darn good i mean right now i mean you know it's funny how all these contests about you know voting for awards and stuff it's obvious he's the best player in the league i mean best basketball player you know i mean to me and so I love Giannis, and I and I love Joe Embiid, and they did great. But this guy right now, he's the best all around player in the league. And, yeah, and I, and I find him very amusing because he's got a great wicked sense of humor, you know, uh, <laughs> as as a as a good Serbian lad would, you know. But uh, he's he's fantastic. He is. He is. He's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, this is going to be a fun series for sure. And I know that, you know, you um, while you're watching basketball and, and, and interacting with your friends that are still you know part of the NBA, you also are uh, part, you know, got created a coaching you and uh, which is, you know, uh, you're, you're doing leadership and, and coaching kind of off the court. So tell me about I mean, what are what are some of the things that you're doing and what are some of the lessons you learned from basketball that you've taken you know to to folks businesses or whatever else well i i do several things one one we center around events we have two big events coming up in las vegas uh that we do every year it's our 15th anniversary of our company and one of the things we do is we have one of the premier coaching clinic in the world of basketball um it's only mba coaches virtually speak at it we actually have two non-mba coaches this year and two and are two of the best coaches in the world. We have uh, the Australian Olympic uh, coach, bronze medalist Brian Gorgian, who's an American, who's coached for the last thirty years in Australia. He is just a superstar. And then Edere Messina, who might be the best coach in the world. He was on Popovich's staff for five years in San Antonio. He's the one. Yeah, you know, he's just uh, the most brilliant coach in the world in my opinion and he is uh he's one of my best friends and every year he comes and speaks uh and he's he's the only coach in the euro league he coaches milan he's the only coach that's a president and a head coach of a team and he works for giorgio armani so at least he has good clothes you know so he's uh <laughs> he's a really special guy and and so and then we've had you know doc eric spolstra doc rivers uh, you know, almost every coach in the NBA has spoken at our event over the years. And what we try to do is using the NBA people, the NBA guys are great because they teach and they share. Whereas football or basketball coaches in college, they think they hold the secrets to nuclear weapons. And, and frankly, they have damn good players. That's why their stuff works. And, my the pro coaches totally understand that on the, all 30 teams are good and the players are the ones that determine 
how they're going to play and if we're going to win that night. And everyone in the league knows what everyone does. So they share openly and they really teach. And that, and that's one of the things that we we've really done. And we've exposed the best teaching in the world to basketball fans around the world. We have a, an app that we, um, you know, allow people to use on a monthly subscription basis that is so affordable so that we have coaches in probably a hundred plus countries that are learning from us. And that is our mission right now is to teach coaches throughout the world how to be better coaches. Therefore you had develop better teams and better players. And it's all starts with that leadership. So that's the one thing that we do out there. We also have, that's a two day event. And then we have a front office training camp because there's so many people that just, they're not coaches, but they would love to be like Bob Myers who retired yesterday from not retired, but stepped down with the golden state warriors that, you know, want to be in the front office of an NBA team. And so, you know, they do that. Uh, we come out there and we have the very, our faculty is composed of the very best executives and teachers and scouts in the NBA and G League uh, and Europe and the WNBA to teach them. And so we want people to want to go into professional basketball, but we have college coaches coming to learn. Uh, and, and like Eric Spolster and Mike Brown, the coach of the year, those guys all started in a video room, which is a non-coaching position, and it grew to be head coaches. So the difference between college and pro is in college, there's a ceiling. You know, the NCAA only allows you to have a certain number of coaches, especially in basketball, and you can't get on the coaching floor unless you are a coach. So, um, you know, in the NBA, there's no rules. So a video guy can be out there trying to develop Jimmy Butler. <laughs> and it's a great way to, to foster your career. And so Eric Spolster and guys like that, I bet we have 25, 30 coaches in the league that have come out of the video room. So we, we're partnered with Huddle Analysis, the number one video company in the NBA. Sports code is what every team uses. And, you know, we try to grow people in sport. And then uh, we work with college coaches on how to develop their staff, their players. And I talk to players on every team in a group setting of how to make it. They all, every player. I now go speak to women's teams. Every college player in the last four years I've spoken to, men or women, I raised my, I raised, asked them to raise their hand if they would like to play professionally after they're finished done. Every woman in the room raises her hand. That is so great. That is so great. And every guy, I don't care if the team won five games here before, they all raise their hand. That's what they all want to do. And that's cool, but I now tell them, if you want to do that, I have the answers to the test for you. And then I basically tell them what it takes to be a pro, but I reinforce everything that their own coaches tell them, which is about being the best practice player, having a great attitude, have great body language, you know, be a great teammate, you know, all the things that you need to be to make it, that's what you have to do. But now they have a different voice they hear it from. But I reinforce the coaches that they work for. So I love doing that because I love helping kids. So, yeah. And, and coaches in business. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And coaches, you know, you're not just 
coaching basketball or football or coaching your employees, um, you know, it, in terms of doing the act of like, you know, uh, that business work or, you know, playing that game. It's it's you were talking earlier about being a father figure. You know, what, what is how important is that to kind of teach people how to be men, how to be women, how to kind of treat people right, you know, off the court, off the field. And maybe there's, you know, spiritual aspects to that too. Just kind of being like a, an overall, you know, the best version of you, I guess you can be. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, I think it's one of the biggest things. So one of the things I do when I go in is if I, sometimes I have a, literally a relationship, they're a client all year round. And I basically will teach them how to build a team. And and I do it kind of with, you know, I use it, you know, the different H's, uh, heritage. I make the players or coaches, everyone, speak for one minute on where's their heritage. I make them come up and tell me, let them speak in front of their peers about where they came from. Mm. I, and then I and I take then I ask them to tell me what ho- what's what do they hope for, and, and you know and then basically that's their dreams, and you know and then a really tough one is the heartache, you know I think all of us have had some heartache in our life, and I mean that can be a tearjerker, but when that, your teammates see, like I've had guys that played together five six seven years in the pros they didn't even know the player had uh, the player had children they didn't know that his player's mom died of cancer they didn't know things about him that they could get closer to him because you should know everything about if i always say you got to care about people you know you got to love them you got to serve them and you got to care about them well if you don't even know my children's names if you don't even know my wife's name and you don't how how are you going to care about me you know and so i kind of teach that because that's the essence of humanness i think and values and stuff but buzz williams the coach of texas a&m and one of my favorites he does a, a a thing called get better 101 and once a month in the off season he will bring in his players for a non-basketball session and it might be today teaching them how to change a tire in the car, on their car. <laughs> Guess what? I can't do that. Uh, <laughs> you know, he'll teach them. He'll teach them how to balance their checkbook. My kid, my two kids are doctors, and 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 I know they don't even have a damn checkbook. I know they don't know how to balance it. All right, debit cards are great, but man, they screwed up how to teach kid. So they actually teach them how to do things like that. Smart, you know. And so I, I, I think he does things like that, teaches them how to tie a tie. You know, life skills that are so important, unfortunately, that we don't teach in college. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's, yeah, we're, we're kind of, we've kind of lost some of the uh, basics uh, nowadays that, that, uh, and, or maybe we think that people already know it perhaps. And um, I wanted to close, um, Coach sure. Stewart, talk, talking about, you know, kind of going back in time a little bit with you, you were talking about, mentoring and coaching others, um, you know, whether it be, you know, in basketball for decades or, or now through coaching you, but uh, you've had some amazing mentors as well. And, uh, you know, Hubie Brown, uh, you know, Chuck Daly and others that you've worked with and worked for. I mean, how important is that to have 
people that have kind of been there and that are, you know, that, that you're working for that can um, kind of give that model to you? What, I mean, whether it be, you know, sports or not. You know what? I, 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 I'm a big believer in coaching, obviously. And I have about four coaches of my own that literally they are my coaches. And some are in business, some are in life, some are spiritual. And so I people that I talk to on a weekly basis, minimum, some daily, of how to, how do I get better? And I serve the same for others. And so one of my clients for 20 plus years now is Billy Donovan, the coach of Chicago Bulls. I've been working with Billy over 20 years since he was at Florida. But he wants he's so driven to be better in every aspect of his life. John Gordon, a great author out of Jacksonville, Florida, you know, has written all these incredible books, Energy Bus, and you know, 26 best-selling books. I've been working with him 15 years since he's been an author. And all he focuses on is how can he improve? And and that's one of the things that you know we try to do is to try to I try to do that and then to ask those people to pass it forward and pay it forward. And so I got, you know, one of the things I, I believe in is, you know, I, I'm a huge Nick Saban's fan. I've known him since he was at Michigan State when I was at the Pistons. He and Dumars are very close. And one of the things that I love about him is, you know, everyone talks about the process. The process is about doing the right thing over and over. It's about getting better, even if it's 1% a year. Uh, it's not about improving 50% because then you weren't very good to start with probably if you got 50% better. It's about getting 1% better. And, and I, you know, it's taking, as Tony Robbins told me a long time ago, before he was a super-duper star, we were buying shoes at Friedman's in Atlanta. And he walked in, and all of a sudden, I see him, and I've had all his audio tapes. And the owner of the store says to me, Brendan, you know Tony Robbins? I said, no, but I've heard him in my sleep, in my car. And uh, he's six foot eight, and he has a size 19 shoe. And he went in and bought 17 pairs of shoes. And you can only imagine what that bill was. And he said, Brendan, what's the most important thing in coaching? I said, having good players. He said, no. He said, that's important. But the most important thing is taking things that are very complex and making them simple. I think it's the whole key in life. You know, I'm not out to impress you how much I know. I think Belichick says that every day. I'm not going to tell the players how much football I know. I'm just going to hopefully give them enough to have them win the next game. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really the key. They, they say what the kiss stands for uh, keep it simple, stupid, right? <laughs> yeah. But we, ne we don't talk about stupid with players anymore. That's no, right. We don't. That's right. O only with our enemies. No, but uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, well, I'm looking forward to watching the NBA finals on ABC and uh, coach Brendan, sir. Thank you so much being generous with your time. And, you know, I, I do care about you because I, I do know uh, the name of your, your wife and kids, Brenda, BK and Christina, right? Exactly. So Jack much, here. Jason. See, you're <laughs> awesome. You're awesome. Thank you so much, Jason. We, my wife and I, and and little BK who turned forty this uh, Sunday. We used to take him when I was coaching the Hawks. 
we, our favorite vacation spot, two favorite vacation spots in Georgia. We're going up to Lake Lanier from you know mm -hmm. Atlanta back in the day when you, you could actually you know kind of you know be have a little place. To, uh, but Callaway Gardens, it was absolutely a gem for us to go down to Callaway Gardens outside Columbus. There, so we yeah, we it's just about. Area. 45 minutes up the road it's i mean it's a beautiful area and uh uh very very nice so uh so hopefully you can make a trip up here uh sometime so it's it's about to, we're about to hit the hot summertime where you are and where oh, i am so I, yeah I, I, it's a cool 90 here today buddy yeah so it's good <laughs> well I'll, I'll be watching on abc uh those finals and jason thank you so much you were terrific all right thanks coach appreciate it